Welcome to Mercedes in the Chap, a show dedicated to helping humans become extraordinary. Here we'll hone a well-rounded roadmap for us to step into our potential in all things, relationships, work, purpose, and legacy. Chap, today we got into some fun stuff around the dark horse identity, narcissism. Yeah, that was good. Just you and I, I mean, I learned a lot of stuff. I mean, always, I always learn stuff talking to you and this, this, you know, I had the privilege of just sharing these things and sharing together with just you and I this time. And it's a lot, it's sometimes good to do this is to, you know, to just, just you and I kind of like slow down and decompress some of these thoughts that are going on uh, inside. Yeah. And I think maybe it gets into more of a deeper level or a nerdier level or you know we take it a little further than we might with some of our guests because we're also getting to know the guests when they're on um, and then also getting to know the advice and, and information the experts are giving us when they come on the show but in these places hopefully you know the audience will also get to know that when we do these solos you know these conversations between you and I we get to explore stuff that we're really into a little deeper than we might on other episodes so you can kind of expect that when it's a solo episode it's going to be a probably a little deeper. Agreed. Totally. And that was another, another fun time, uh, rapping with you. Yeah. So let's get into this episode and explore what it is to have that dark horse identity and, um, why calling accountability into your life is so, so critical to reaching your goals and becoming the human you want to be. And what does a narcissism really, uh, look like? Is there a spectrum to it? Is there some good in there too? Mm -hmm. Agreed. Let's go. Let's see. What's going on, chap? So, what do you want to what do you want to jump into today? Well, hello. I have this. Um, I we, and I don't know what you call it because I think you have a word for it. You had a phrase for it. Um, but it's where someone um, says they're going to do something, and but they they so discount what they're actually going to do that when they don't actually do it nobody really feels bad for them or nobody's really that worried about it. What, so what it's is like it? you're flying under the radar. Yeah, I think I, I think what you're talking about is the dark horse identity. Mm. So it's really this idea of I'm going to, I mean, the, the initial idea is something around I'm going to allow, this is how they, the, the dark horse person who identifies as the dark horse um, identity would say, I'm going to allow the world to underestimate me because then I'm going to show up like the dark horse in the race, you know, from the back. I'm going to just shoot forward and end up winning this race. I'm going to end up shining and being this special, you know, the special person. And the reality that happens a lot of the time is because they play in the shadows so much, they don't actually ever end up coming out of that shell and shooting forward and having that growth spurt and getting to the finish line. They just end up being the underestimated. And that energy of being underestimated becomes who they are Mm. less than essentially like they literally start feeling that energy and then become it instead of reaching their potential yeah and it's almost like in a way the the boy that cries wolf right and he's if he if you're constantly playing this dark horse game it may work a few times but then after that it only works if you're able to trick people into believing that you're to fall into the game that you have established well really what you're doing is you're thinking like in terms of my life is like a movie or my life could be like a movie or a book but let's use movie or tv show and a lot of the times certainly in western you know movies i mean western like western cultures you know united states for example 
the underdog for the United States population is so huge. And so you're, you're making, you're the character of the underdog. Oh, it's so funny you say that because mm. I've heard from men who identify in this, this world of like the dark horse that they resonate with characters like Columbo. Did you ever watch Columbo? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Columbo monk. Yeah. Like, so yeah. he's this dorky detective essentially on the outside. See when I got here. Uh, yeah. He's very disheveled. Like, disheveled he's like got a cross I don't he's got he's got all these things going on where you're just totally underestimating this guy like he's not going to show up for the work he's definitely not going to solve the case and he always at the very end goes one more thing you know like he always comes back and he's like oh okay I'm going to solve the case like completely it's going to be black and white and it's just like open and shut case when he's done with it because he's put it all together he's allowed everyone to underestimate him and he follows through However, the people who are identifying with that character, it looks great on TV, and that's why we can. It's so relatable because we hope that that's how we end up showing up. But they they don't necessarily show up. A lot of the time, they don't ever get to the you know be the be the shining moment where they're the open and shut case detective. And honestly, yeah, too. And if if we're if we're making a movie and we're doing this, that's a cliche that's really ran its course. I mean. Everybody sees it. Okay, here we go. It's another, you know, downtrodden, poor. You know, if you do a proper character arc, it works. Mm-hmm. But but starting that way and then finishing as in one more thing, you know, it, it's just such a cliche now that it's like, here we go. Let's watch it. And so don't be that. You know, you you might be able to pull that off once as as let's say a guy, but you might be able to pull that off once. But after a while, everybody's gonna know, man. I think it's an allergy to being held accountable is what it is. It's like a matter of you're avoiding the um, spotlight that would ask for you to actually show all the way up and you're protecting yourself from the hard work that you may have to do in order to show all the way up or you likely will have to do to show all the way up. And in doing that, you're actually robbing yourself of the true experience, which is reaching your edge, meeting a challenge and coming, following through. And is it, do you think that's because, you know, it, it's scary, um, to, you know, as a, and I've you know, known some people like this, but as a, as a guy, cause I'm a guy and is it, you know, I don't, okay. Speaking for myself, I have goals internally and I talk about it, but I'm not like, oh, I'm going to do this by the time I'm you know, 42 or whatever. I don't, I don't really do that. I'm like, I would really like to do X and then I'll start deploying towards X. But I think I've, I I know some people and what they do is they'll say something like, I'm going to be a professional, uh, formula one driver. And I'm like, Oh, and you know, I'm thinking, Oh, well, if he, if, if he's saying that, you know, maybe his dad was a mechanic on a formula one team or owned a formula one team or his mom was a formula one driver and, or, you know, whatever, like, oh, are you in an engineering program at, you know, Georgia Tech or something? Mm-hmm. Like, are you in one of these MIT programs? Because that's kind of where you need to end up if you're really going to be even sniffing around about the possibility of even being on a race team, even regardless of the level of it. And they'll say, no, I'm going to be, I'm going to be a Formula One driver. And it's like, how, how old are you again? And they're like, oh, I'm, I'm 26. It's like, have you ever driven a race car? Well, no, I drive go-karts. I'm like, sorry, man. Like, you yeah. got to start somewhere, I guess. But at the same time, I guess what I'm saying is in the United States, in movies, we've so conditioned that dark horse mentality that it's that it's just not real. And and go please, because yeah. you're a female, and if you're looking at somebody, let's try this on you. Hey, you know, um, 
Um, you know, there's this, I don't know, a car show, right? There's this car show and, you know, you happen to be a beautiful girl and you're working the car show, right? And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to see, I'm going to bring my car, you know, if I can wash, I'm going to bring my car. What is it? Oh, it, it's, it's, you know, just, just, just a Dodge. It's just a Dodge, right? And then he shows up and what we're thinking, he's going to show up in like a brand new, like Dodge Viper and it's sick or whatever the modern, you know, Ford GT, whatever something awesome is. And everybody's going to go, ah, but you know, he, he shows up in like an old, you know, I don't know, an old dart from some old era and it's like barely getting there. And it's like, I mean, but he just won't show up. The reality is he's just not going to show up. Right. Yeah. I think you're trying to discern between a dream and actually accomplishing something. In yeah. Reality. That, I guess that's what I'm struggling with right here because you're, you're, you have this idea and you, and, and if you're brought up in, and you have this idea of what the hero is. So, right? yeah, I think in our culture today, it's a really important factor to, to discern between what is the mind fantasizing, which is so beautiful. What an amazing thing that humans have developed this ability to project into the future and brainstorm up all possibilities, right? Fantastic. Then on the other part of it, the other thing that has to be accomplished in order for you to reach said fantasy or goal or dream is you have to actually act. You have to actually put into play things to get you there. You have to act mm. on the steps in order to attain the goal, right? Yeah. And the goals, if you set these, if you're, if you're, if you're setting these goals that are so unobtainable and, and, and if, and if you have a good friend or a mom or, or, or a, or a significant other or a buddy or a brother or a sister, and they're telling you, and you know if you ask them, they're just like, bro, it's never going to happen. And they're like, I'm going to be this. And then when they don't get this, it's like, oh, well, you know, that was really hard to accomplish anyway, and it's really hard to become that. And I, I really tried, but they didn't, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, and it's like... I think it's really tough, you know, as we're sitting here, <clears throat> I'm trying to think of what the how the audience understands this, mm -hmm. this the way it's we're kind of a weird it. it's a weird it's hard to articulate really yeah well you it, coming from you a person who is maybe one of the most credentialed people I know your personality type is literally I think of something and and visualize it um, in enough depth and then I make the action of I don't know what your your process looks like but something like listing out what I would need and need to do in order to get there. What are the steps? And then I take those actions Correct. and I move towards it. Mm -hmm. And if I need to make those steps smaller so that they're more attainable along the way, then I make more steps and I get there. And then you do. And we can see that because you have the credential list to prove it, right? You're certified in all these areas. You have licenses, you're, you know, all mm -hmm. the ways that you have attained those goals after setting them for yourself at some point. So that mentality is really not who we're speaking to right now. You're mm -hmm. trying to translate something for something. I know you're you a good point. I don't understand it really. Right. I mean, to be honest with you, I really don't because, but I, I do, I've experienced this myself on the, on the receiving end of it. You know, I'll be in a undergrad class, you know, maybe, a, you know, you're, we're in our, our, our junior level of undergrad, four year degree. And, you know, I knew people that were like, I'm, I'm going to go to law school. I'm like, sweet. Like, did you get in? Well, no. Did you apply? Right. No. Well, but I've got a five-year plan. You see, I'm going to do, I'm, I'm going to apply, then I'm going to get in, then I'm going to go. So well, that's to me a five-year dream because I need to move the needle. I need to move the ball down the field. And so I was always, I don't want to say intimidated, but I'm like, oh my God, like I'm looking at these guys and I'm like, man, they got it all figured out. They're doing it. I don't, but honestly, you don't know what their GPA is. You don't know what their background, for all you know, I always think it's funny now when somebody's like, you know, Johnny's going to be a doctor. I'm like, is Johnny in medical school? No, he's not going to be a doctor. 
Right. I want to, you know, he's going to be a nurse anesthetist. Yeah. But But I know that now. Yeah. But I didn't know that then because, and and I think as a female, if I'm in the dating world and I have Johnny come in, it's like, yeah, I'm going to be in law school. And you're like 21, you know, 20 years old. Johnny's going to be a lawyer. Johnny's going to be a lawyer. And maybe with the support of the right female, he will be. But Mm -hmm. if not, if, and why? Because the right female will create accountability. And that's really the factor that's missing for most men in the world. Well said. And so if you have that ability to have a, you know, if you have a group of friends or family or people around you that are giving you the support to actually attain it in a way where they're not enabling you, they're not just, you know, making the road really easy and paving the way for you, but letting you fail along the way and still, you know, giving you a hand, dusting you off and saying, don't worry, keep going. You know, you, you got this. And there being a living example of what it is to attain goals along the way, that accountability and that desire that we all have as humans to want to be, uh, to want to fit into our tribe, to want to be accepted by our tribe, those two things together are probably the most powerful things humans have at our disposal. So if we have those two things, which most humans unfortunately don't, mm-hmm. because you know we come from strange families and we come from uh, uh, places, people who are living in very um, discombobulated or codependent relationships you know there's all kinds of examples that deter us from and it's like really a western it's like a united states problem again you know in some other cultures you know we're we're envious of their family accountability and their family tightness and but that's so good but you know a lot of people will try to say oh you need a mentor but i don't like that word because that makes it seem like like above you and below you or something like that but it's Mm, I would love to redefine the word mentor because I think it's super critical to have something, someone you look up to. And it sounds like above you, but it can really just be because of their experience. And if we're not willing to sit at the feet of other people and be the student, then how the fuck are we going to learn? That's literally the only way that as humans or any, as any species, that's the only way we get knowledge. Some of it gets passed down generationally through our genes, but most of it gets learned Unfortunately, at this point, maybe one day we'll have one of those, you know, uh, thumb drives will plug in the back <laughs> of a baby brain and then they'll just have all of the, the stuff uploaded. Of the yeah. But even during that lifetime, you would still need to be willing to learn and be willing to say, hey, you know what? I don't know everything and I want to learn from you. Yeah. And to finding finding a good friend and, and the definition of a good friend is, is kind of nebulous because as a good friend, somebody you can always call to go drinking with, you know, somebody you enjoy doing some things with a sports team member, something like that. But I think what I'm, you know, what we're saying here is, is a, you know, finding a good friend, you know, if you can find a good friend, a member of the opposite sex, that's great, but find it would probably be helpful, very helpful. But if you could find a really good friend who, after having, you know, getting to know them and hanging out with them for a period of time and they're getting to know you is saying, look, I want you to be my accountability buddy. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, say some things, bounce some ideas off you, do some things in my life. And I'm asking you to, to tell me if I'm doing something that you, now you have to respect this person. You're going to obviously engage with them sure. on, that, on that level, but please tell me if there's something I'm doing, you're seeing that I'm being just, just absolutely ridiculous and it are non-starters or, or whatever you're seeing. And don't, you know, don't put that person down obviously, but, but you know, you, but that, but, but if you came to me or I came to you and, and we accepted that role, that is a very tough role. But I think if we can have somebody like that, and most people think, well, that's my dad, that's my mom. Well, lucky you. Yeah, lucky exactly. you because I didn't, you know, we, we didn't really have, I, luckily I had, I had some other people in my life. Um, but you know, not everybody, ha- not everybody has anybody in their life. Absolutely. And that's where we call in the mentor or we go seeking 
someone else. And there's people out there. And, and if you can't find anybody where you feel like it's not enough, I mean, they're, 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 you know, they're therapists obviously. And, 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 and in the world we live in that, that, that stigma of having a therapist is really heavily, heavily muted. And it's not really, it's, it's not a big deal anymore. It's getting better for sure. Yeah. And, and the taboos being taken away from it, but there's also life coaches. I mean, there's experts in every realm. If you go looking for it, we have the it doesn't have to be intimidating, right? Right. We you have can, this miracle called Google. We have social media where you can literally find what you're looking for on a hashtag. YouTube, you can search the keywords and you can find someone who specifies in that particular genre or niche or whatever it is that you're looking to have more expertise in. It's definitely out there if you're looking for it. And, and, and we heard it here, right? We heard it from almost everybody. I would say ad nauseum that, you know, either we're beating it, you know, th these guests are saying really the same thing. And you're saying this over again, you know, it's, it's work on yourself. You're a work in progress. You always are a work in progress. You know, everybody, you know, a lot of guys, you know, we go to the gym and it's like, oh, I could, if I could get a little faster in my run or a little better in my row, or if I can lift a little bit more weight, well, you keep doing it. Um, but if you also work on your, what, your mental ability, Yep, um, all the that, pieces have to come together. To come together. But I think the most the, the the entry point that's getting kind of skipped over most of the time is the factor of vulnerability because in order to go to a coach or you know decide to sign up for a class and sit at the feet of a teacher, you know the way that I'm putting it, you have to be able to be vulnerable. And what does that mean? You have to be able to be brave because vulnerability and bravery are the same thing essentially. Mm -hmm, you is. have to be willing to sit there and go okay, I don't know how to do this thing well enough and I really want to because this is the skill set I want to earn or this is, I want to become that NASCAR driver, for instance, and I need to learn how to do that. That takes a leap of vulnerability and it feels super scary and that's, I think, the sticking point why most people don't choose to do it and we haven't been taught how to hold that type of fear that comes with being vulnerable in that moment um, in our bodies. Yeah, I mean, this is really, you know, really good and, and, you know, I don't know why, but, uh, but, but this just flashed in my brain. I really wanted to ask you about this because, you know, I, I, my brain will bounce around as a lot of people's brain bounce around. I'm sitting here and, and we were talking about this dark horse and ultimately, you know, a, a lot of people, um, your followers as well. I mean, if I was, if I was your follower and, and I was a single guy, you know, I'm looking at you as this well put together woman, very attractive, very sexy and extremely intelligent. Um, I'm, I, so I always have these things. I'm like, I wonder, it, you know, how would this affect Mercedes, what would her, what would she think? And so I, I apologize to deviate. You didn't, you're not seeing this coming and I apologize, but I want to ask you this anyway. Okay. This is very practical. If, if I'm going on a date, okay. So I'm a guy and you're the, you're the lady that I'm going on the date with. How, how does, does time of showing up affect your, does it, how, what do you think? Like if I'm really early, if I'm on time, if I'm a little late, does that, like, how do you feel about that? Like, maybe just discuss, like, timeliness of a date. Because too early, and you're like, hey, are you here yet? You here yet? You here yet? That's bad, right? If I'm right on time, that's probably good. But if I'm late, too late, that's bad. But I think, like, I would always hear when I was younger in the dating world is that, that women always show up late because they want to make you wait. I'm not really sure that's true. But do you have any thoughts on any of this? Um, I think that it ties into what we're talking about with the dark, dark horse. It's like... Showing up is, again, being accountable, right? It's the same, literally, that's a definition. What is, when is accountability? It's showing up. Mm -hmm. um, and so when it comes to even a micro example, like showing up on a date, for instance, or showing up for work on time or whatever, that is you being impeccable with your word. And that's like, 
a, it's one of the four agreements, if you heard of that book by Don Miguel Ruiz, but it's this Toltec wisdom where that's based in, and it is essentially don't say anything that you aren't going to show up for. And the dark horse is saying, wow, I'm, I'm going to give you, I'm going to ask you to underestimate me. I'm going to say that I'm going to do less than I'm actually going to do. But then no one ever asks for him to show up to anything <laughs> mm -hmm. because he's not a show up guy because he doesn't say, oh, hey, I'm right. a show up dude. Right. The guy who says, hey, I'm going to sh show up at work every day at, I don't know, 8 a.m. or whatever, or I'm going to show up at the date at 8 p.m. Um, and he does. Cool. We just built a little bit of trust and now I can feel a little bit safer around you. If you show up early, you're kind of like probably breaking into my time to get ready. And now I'm like, now I'm nervous. So you might be sending me a little off kilter, but it's nice to know you're excited about the date. So it's not really a negative. Okay. You show up late. I'm kind of like, Hmm, is he serious about this? Like, can I trust him? Is this safe? So I'm not sure about that either. Okay. Right? Well, so, and, and, and in that right mm -hmm. back to, it's kind of a split between the two. Um, but in the dark horse, uh, mindset, if I, if, if you and I, or whatever, if, if we're on a, in a, in a, in a date and, and, and I'm a younger guy, let's say, and you're a younger lady and, and you're asking me, well, what do you, you know, what do you, what have you been up to? Like, what are you working on? Like, what sort of things are going on in your life? And like, if I say something like, you know, I'm, I'm going to be, I'm, I'm going to be a, a, a lawyer. Okay. Or I'm going to work, I'm going to work for the FBI. Cause that's kind of like a big one or CIA or something, but I'm going right. to work for the FBI. I'm going to be a lawyer. At what point are you just like, if, if he kind of touches, I was, I'd really, I'd really like to be in the FBI. I'm kind of working on my bachelor's and I'd really like to go to law school. Then you're kind of like, okay, that was humble. That was nice. That's accurate, whatever. But, but what point are you just like confidence versus like, ah, man, this is, I'm smelling like a little too, uh, like you're, you're kind of bullshit me. I mean, it depends. I think it depends on the person sitting in front of me and watching how they say those things out loud. I think you can just tell when someone's talking how genuine it is, if it's actually experientially in their body or not. But if you're saying like, oh, I want to do these things. Mm -hmm. These are my dreams and my aspirations. And then we're having a conversation of how you're working towards that. And it seems like you really thought this through. You really put those steps in line in front of you and you are attempting to take them one by one or whatever your first step is. You got it already lined up. That's pretty convincing, and I would be like, okay, sounds like he's headed in that direction. Because he's working towards it. He's started down the, the road. He's made a couple of these steps, and and I think this is the point to some of our guys. You know, they're on their first date, and it's like, just be just be genuine, and you. it's okay to be humble, but it's okay to be a little confident as well. As long as in that confidence, I'm talking about with what you want to do or what you're doing, be, be able to back it up a little bit. Well, I think it's a matter of... You don't want to be afraid to share your dreams, especially with the person who you may have romantic interests with and want to become close and connected to because that's a huge part of becoming connected to any person, whether it's your family member or someone you're dating, someone you're working with, whatever, a friend, is being able to share your dreams and be seen for them. If you share your dream with someone and it's a genuine dream and they shoot it down and go, bro, you're never going to do that. Or, you know, if I'm on a date with you and you're like, I want to be an attorney, one day and that's like my biggest dream and those are my biggest hopes and I'm like yeah that's never gonna happen and even if you're like I'm on my way because I've set these things in motion and I'm still like 
Nah, that's very unlikely. Do you know the statistics of people becoming <sighs> lawyers and people that take the bar? Like 1% of them, I don't know what the real statistic is, yeah. you know, pass. <laughs> and I'm just shooting down the dreams. We have just disconnected fully. Like we are not in connection anymore. There's no flow happening here. You're crushed. You're feeling like slinking out of the room, I'm sure. So it's a matter of keep, how do you stay open in relationship? And if you're on the other side of that and you're trying to Talk about your dreams in a very vulnerable way because talking about dreams is so vulnerable because you haven't met them yet, right? You haven't met the dream yet. And to put it out there is freaking scary. Like when you say a dream out loud, you're you're putting it out to the universe. You're putting it out to the person in front of you. That's creating accountability. Mm-hmm. Now, some people feel more willing to just say things out loud and never actually accomplish them. Yes, maybe that's a, a maturity thing, but... For me, if I say something out loud, you better believe I'm going to do everything I can in my power to do it. If I don't do it, I'm going to feel shitty for about myself because I already went around saying it out loud. You and know? you're kind of betraying your friends in a way by yeah. doing by, by saying this thing. They're I didn't show up, and now they don't trust up. me the same. And I know yeah. that. Yeah, and that's and you're and you can. It's okay if you fail a couple. It's okay if you fail because certainly if you really indeed tried, like if I said, I'm going to be a lawyer, I'm going to go to law school and you go to law school and say you fail the bar and you can't pass the bar. I've got a friend like that. And, but it's okay because guess what? He, he actually became a paralegal, which is if you already graduate law school, it's not too, too hard to do He's just some certifications, but he be, well, depending on the state, of course, but he becomes, he becomes a paralegal, but he became really successful at it. And then in the end was basically doing the same thing. So it's like, it's, it's a pre, it's fine. It's like, and, and his wife that is with him, she doesn't care. Like he tried, he did it. You know, there's a lot of people that fail and failure is okay, right? Well, as long as you're failing forward, like as long as when you do fail, like let's say you want to become an attorney. failing forward, right. And you end up not passing the bar, right? Okay, cool. You can either decide to come back and do it again better, right? And continue towards that dream. Or you can go, you know what? After doing all that work towards that direction, I realized it wasn't this specific niche that caught me the most. I actually remember that one class I took that made me really light up. And so I'm going to go towards that direction. Mm-hmm. And that's okay too, because all the work you've done to get to that point to figure out what your real purpose is or what your real direction you want to take is, is not for, is all for not, right? Or it's not all for not. It's got a purpose. It now directed you. So as long as, yeah, you're willing to move toward whatever feels good and continue to do that instead of letting a pseudo failure, you know, not passing the bar in this case, knock you completely down and, and, and crush you where you're just unwilling to get up and try. Yeah. I think well, it's a success. Falling forward. I've never heard that, but that's, failing that's forward, f- yeah. feeling forward. But if you're uh, failing forward, yeah. failing forward, sorry, falling forward, I've done kind that of before, doing all the fa- things. failing <laughs> forward. And also, you know, life's the, you know, we, we get back to the same thing. It's like life's a journey. I mean, I, 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 man, I don't want to get into the bar experience for you out there that know it's not fun. It wasn't fun for me, but oftentimes you don't end up doing what you think you're going to do and you're happy with that and ends up being better. And so as long as you have somebody and you're finding somebody because you're genuine and things are going okay and you're trying and you're, and you're, and you really are trying the people that do love you, your significant other, whomever, um, appreciate it. The trying is, is a big, if you're genuinely trying, it's really about that. Not so much the results. It's, it's really about the, the, the journey again. Yeah. And it really does come back to truth, vulnerability, and that ability to just, um, be real with where you're at. So like, even if you fail and you come back to the table and you're, and you say, 
yeah, I know I said I wanted to be an attorney. And mm-hmm. that's really what I thought I wanted to be. And through this process, I learned some things about myself that actually indicated that that isn't in line in alignment with who I am. And this is my new direction. And I hope you support me in that direction too. And I'm, you know, doing my very best to show up for myself. And um, I think when someone can come and say like, hey, I failed here, but I'm also using that as a lesson to move me forward still. It's still all the momentum is still forward. Anyone can respect that. Anyone can get on board with that and be supportive and understanding. Okay, and that's good. And I, and I don't know how, how much time we have left, but I really wanted to ask you this. Another practical, a practical thing here is, you know, you're a woman or a man and you're on a, on a first or second or third or fourth date, okay, early, very early in the relationship. How do you identify a possible, I don't know, narcissist or somebody maybe, and we're not giving out obviously psychological advice. Clearly we're not doing that. And we, we, we would have no intention of doing so. And you have to seek your own advice on that, of course. But I'm asking you as a woman, how, how do you, is there a way to help one identify that there might be some early warning signs that you know of in your opinion, if you're in your opinion as a, as a, as a knowledgeable kind of layperson in that, how, how do you, what are your thoughts on that um, with regard to the dating world? Yeah, I think it's a good segue from this idea of like when we're talking about our dreams and some of us are just stating broadly like random things that we might be interested in and just claiming that we're going to be that. That idea of I'm so special and so entitled that I can basically say I'm going to be an astrophysicist or I'm going to be an astronaut, right? And have no background in that direction at all, no connections in that field no reason to be that direction but I'm going to blatantly just say that and then you know what somehow it's going to happen I don't really need to do any work because that's how special I Amazing. am um, the idea of that comes from that end of the narcissism spectrum and that's really tough because it's it does either evolve through maturity or doesn't dependent usually on the family systems, the traumas that this person is experiencing, the um, help that they get along the way, obviously. And for someone to end up on the extreme side of the narcissism scale, where we talk about like narcissistic personality disorder, like on that end of it, where they're literally damaging to themselves and others because they just have a complete lack of empathy for, for other humans at that point. Um, and they believe their specialness is so, so um, strong, divine, or whatever, yeah, right. that they are above others, and that's where that's where it becomes narcissism becomes dangerous, right? That place is really scary, and I I don't even like to, I don't really like to use the term narcissist because we've kind of com- lumped in that term. Um, to mean it's always on that extreme side mm-hmm. of it where this is a dangerous person because there is healthy narcissism. We need narcissism. We need to feel special. That is actually where our passion mm-hmm. comes from. It's what drives us to do things with our life, to identify with things so that we can be motivated to move forward on a project or a goal. If Without it, we become what's called an echoist. It's the uh, other side of the spectrum, and that's just as dangerous, but usually only to the echoists themselves. And an echoist, is that to you, is that kind of like a yes man in a way? It's a people pleaser, but to a degree that literally their, their biggest fear would be to become a narcissist. And oh, okay. all they do, they the echoist is called the echo because they are essentially just reflecting whatever they see in the world 
it back to the person they see it from. Do they create the narcissist in a, well, in a, in a way? No, no the okay. narcissist creates the echo. Oh, got it. Okay. They do that in order to um, be, so, so they do the echoing, right? They, they basically say, oh, you like fishing? I like fishing. Um, oh, you want to do this thing? Let me help you in every way to get this thing done. They have no identity for themselves. They're just an echo of whatever is going on in wow. front of them because they want to be um, accepted and please the people around them so that they aren't rejected or denied. And that happens because they usually usually have this childhood trauma embedded by a narcissist. So maybe they have a narcissistic parent or caregiver. And um, and that's just as just as horrible to be that individual based or, yeah. or whatever is the narcissist. Maybe the narcissist isn't, well, neither maybe know they're even doing it. Absolutely. They don't know it. This is a subconscious thing. I mean, the, the beautiful thing about an echoist is it is an echoist is willing to see that they have something wrong going on inside of them and then figure out how to heal it. Mm-hmm. And what I was going to say about narcissism before we talked about echoism was that the, the, danger of using the word narcissist is it's an exiling word so when you talk about someone with narcissistic personality disorder the dsm which is like the manual that psychiatrists use to to diagnose um that language and uh, narcissistic personality disorder or npd is essentially someone who is so far on the end of the spectrum that they cannot see their flaws they cannot understand that they have work to do they never will either unless some catastrophic thing happens which is very unlikely and that's why when someone says narcissist we're like oh shit that's a narcissist because they cannot be cured and that's like the scariest thing to think that you can't it's like terminal some terminal you know yeah and it's very exiling like when we say the word crazy or stupid narcissist psychopath sociopath those are all exiling words Mm. crazy and stupid are on a very more mild you know level but those, if you think about them, are the same in the same space. Like when we believe that someone is incurable, they're diseased to that degree where there is no, there's no help. Now we actually do what the narcissist is most afraid of doing, or the inner child and the narcissist is most afraid of doing, which is abandon them. They can't be helped. All we can do is back out of their life. Well, and, and you know, when you were saying this, when you're using those terms, you know, a narcissist, sociopath, psychopath, the exiling, I haven't thought about it that way, but it's funny because if I'm sitting here talking to you and we're having lunch and you're like, yeah, I've got this friend, you know, Chris, stay away from her. Um, she's, she's, she, you know, she's kind of crazy. I'm going to be like, what does that really mean? But if you're saying, Hey Chris, she's a little, she's, she's a uh, sociopath. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> you know? And it's like yeah. instantly I get this, she's blacklisted yeah. in my brain. So like, I guess there's two, you know, there's a couple of points here, but one is words matter when you're conveying, when you start using those words, they're kind of heavy. And because there's, you know, they have a professional tone to them, they are exiling. And what's weird to me is that, that like, if you, if you, if you know, sorry, if you're something and you don't know you're that thing, but that thing makes you to everyone else awful. The question is, do you want to know it? I always say yes. I think knowledge is power. And I love that this generation of millennials, even though a lot of people really don't like the the fact that millennials have taken on this labeling, this task of labeling everything. Somebody had to do it. Yeah. Well, the labeling is what allows us a lot of the time to identify for a time. That's the hope. We identify for a time with whatever the label is. And then we can go, 
cool. I know I am in the narcissistic realm, right? And I know that that's a part of my personality I don't like. And I'm going to work on that until I feel like, you know what, that is healed, that is integrated. And I am no longer feeling like I'm going to be falling into that category without, you know, unbeknownst to myself, right? Mm -hmm. We're more in control. We're practicing self-mastery. We've got the tools to be able to be mindful about where we fall into that end of the spectrum. And then with that label, we go, cool, yeah, I was really acting out this narcissistic trait. And I'm so glad I had that label because it allowed me to see myself clearly there. And now I can detach from that identity and let that part um, not go, but let it exist inside of me now that I have the tools to balance it out and maintain it properly and move on to what else do I need to heal in here? And that's the hope, you know, that most humans are doing their work that way. Yeah. And I would love to, I would, I, I am like you, I would like to know if there's a problem. I mean, and actually in my, in, 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 you know, management position or in a job, or if you're an owner of a company or on a big, you know, on a team, you know, I like knowing that the people I work with will tell me if there's a problem. Mm. Like if I'm on vacation, if, if it's a Saturday, if it's a Tuesday, it doesn't matter. I want to know if there's a problem. Right. Do not tell me that, oh, you know, things are fine. If, if, I, if I'm not hearing from you and I'm on a three-week uh, motorcycle trip and I don't hear from you, as I'm on that motorcycle, I'm thinking, then that means everything's okay. Right? And if, and if they tell me, there's a problem. I now know about it. We can solve the problem. We can attack it. So I agree with you. I mean, I want to know if there's a problem. I I hope people in my life are like, you know, you're kind of going a little crazy here. You're acting a little strange, you know, I would, oh my God, really? And you know, I'd want to, I'm sorry, you know, I'd want to figure out what I can do about it. Yeah. And you'd hope that you have the tools. I know you do, but you know, I'd hope that um, when that happens for somebody and they get a critique that's out of love and truth. And it's said not because someone's trying to like, project something on you or hurt you, but because they're like, hey, this could be better if we, you know, looked at this and addressed this thing. And it comes from a person you can trust, right? Mm -hmm. Then you can take that and take a breath and you take a moment, maybe you take 10 days, I don't know, however long you need to process that. And like, ooh, because sometimes it stings and it makes us like want to be reactive, like, and defensive. No, I'm not, you know, I don't know what you're talking about. That's not, that's not me. That's you, you know, and we turn it around and we do this whole uh, terrible dance with it, right? But if we can use our tools and um, breathe into it a little bit and integrate it in a healthy way, then we can actually be responsive to it and move forward changed because of the the critique that happened there. But that is so hard and so scary and something that's really only learned over time and practice. It does get easier though. And the narcissist could not digest that. So the narcissist would sit in a therapist's office, for instance, and the therapist goes, you know, I think you really have some things that you're, um, you need to look at here. And there may be some, some childhood trauma that we could dig up and that could give you some understanding as why people keep uh, defriending you, you know, like unfriending you in mm-hmm. your life and why people seem to keep pulling themselves out of your life and why you see, keep having this abandonment wound struck up in you, like why people don't want to be around you. And the narcissist go walk out of that session and be like, that person knows nothing. I know so much more than that therapist. Oh, yeah. If you're over doing and over that, again. Yeah. And yeah. so if they can say, you know what, I'm going to take that into consideration and I'm going to sit with that and see what I can learn from it and actually adjust my ways. Now they may be not so far on this, you know, the spectrum, uh, the end of the spectrum that they can actually heal from it. And is- absolutely. And, you know, let's take the last couple of minutes and, and, and to say this, I mean, this is what this show kind of is. It's not personal to you 
at home. I mean, this is, we don't know you. I mean, this is, we're just talking about these things, you know, generally. And so, you know, don't, don't, you know, if you're sitting there listening, don't, you know, don't get upset. I mean, whatever is, this just, this is just information. Or get upset. Or get upset. Yeah. But it's not nothing we're doing. You know, it's just money. My point is we're not, we're not, it's not like we have a friend here and we're, you know, berating them, you know, it's like. No, but I think that's a good point is that if something in any show, ours or otherwise, if something in life triggers you, including this show, guess what? That's your work. Yeah. If something in life triggers you, it's true. It's only triggering if it's true. If you are triggered by something, it's because there is a part of you that that deeply stings because you haven't looked at it yet. And that's all. And that's all. Literally. It's not, we, we don't know you. Yeah, right. exactly. Right. We're not doing this for any specific person. We're doing this because it's experience that I've had with my own narcissism where someone would tell me, you know, my, my mom used to always say to me, um, the world doesn't revolve around you, Mercedes. And I'd be like, why the hell not, you know? <laughs> and you have to learn with time and figuring out what it is that makes you special, but also to have empathy and know that everyone around you is equal to you. Their worth is identical to yours. So there isn't a game of, you know, well, I'm better than or I'm more enlightened than or whatever the, re- the way that you might try to put yourself in a hierarchy that whole concept of I'm better than you is really just a protection mechanism. That's a story that basically says, well, if I'm better than you, then you're never going to want to leave me. Mm-hmm. If I'm better, that's all we're ever afraid of is being abandoned. Agreed. And then if you want to bring that all the way down into the woo-woo world, we're all just afraid of death, which is the ultimate abandonment. And, so. and lucky for, lucky for, you know, I'm going to speak for me, lucky for me and on this journey, Mercedes and the chap, Mercedes and and me were in this journey together and you, and you're getting to follow along with this journey that that Mercedes and I are taking and we're going through all these fun subjects and we're really exploring you know humanity and you're sharing it with your buddies and that's really what's happening here we're your friends and we're and we're doing this together and you get to tag along with us and be part of it and share this journey together because we're learning things and 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 we are a team and a pair on this and it's a really fun journey yeah, I think this is such a cool way to explore it. It's just a blessing that we have the platform we do in order to to be able to make a show like this and put it out to the world to so many people. Really hope that it resonates. And um, I'm just glad to be on it with you, Chap. Oh, me too. I'm really well, glad you, to be on you. it as well. I, I can't, I can't, I don't appreciate, I can't appreciate anything as much as this because this is such a beautiful journey we're taking. Yes. So thank you. And thank you guys for being here with us today for this episode. If this held some value for you, please share it with a friend of yours. And we do this every week. So catch us again on the next one. 